familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. If you need to spend extended time away from your baby, you'll probably need to pump. But before you purchase your breast pump, it's important to know more about its functionality. How exactly does a breast pump work? What are the key parts and features? What's optional? And what happens when part of your pump needs replaced? We're the Boob Group. I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield. I breastfed after a C-section. I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it. I pump at work. I breastfeed with a cover. I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula. I talk to my baby while I breastfeed. I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other moms. We are equal. We are the Boob Group. Welcome to the Boob Group. We're here to support all moms who want to give their babies breast milk and to respect moms who have chosen to feed their babies in other ways. I'm Sunny Galt. Thanks so much to all of our listeners who take the time to email us or leave us a voicemail. Your feedback is so important. And we do believe that this is your show, and we will always try to do what we believe is in the best interest of the moms who listen. So your input is very important to us. If you ever have a comment or question for us, you can send us a voicemail or email through our website at newmommymedia.com, or you can reach out to us through Facebook. Have you downloaded our free app? It's a great way to stream all of our episodes and even download them to listen to later. We have a Boob Group app as well as our network app for New Mommy Media. So if you want one app to access all of the New Mommy Media shows, that's probably your best option there. And you can download them wherever you get apps. All right, so let's go ahead and meet some of the mamas that are joining our conversation today. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your experience with today's topic. So let's go ahead and start with Gail. Hi, my name is Gail Johnson. I am a mom of three boys. They are all six years apart, so I got amnesia every five years and had another baby. (laughs) And I breastfed all three of them with varying degrees of success. I, with my first one, I assumed that since I wanted to breastfeed that it would be easy and it wasn't. So I have experienced pretty much all of the breastfeeding challenges that you can experience between the three of them, but we made it through and it was absolutely wonderful and I wouldn't change a bit, even the part of crying on my baby, which has happened before too. I was home with my first one, and then I worked full-time with my second and third, so I did a lot of pumping. So I'm eager to talk about that because it is a lot of work, and as well as rewarding. And I'm also a breastfeeding peer counselor for WIC Moms in Kentucky. 
So a lot of these moms, some of them have to go back to work at two weeks. So we have a lot of moms who are learning to pump really quickly and heading back to work with brand new babies. All right. Well, thanks so much for being with us today. And Vicki, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Vicki Toomey, and I actually work for Amita. We are a breastfeeding company, and I'm not a mom. I've never breastfed, but I've worked within mom issues and mom industries uh, for the last 15 years. Um, I've worked closely with WIC in the past, too, so um, I'm excited to talk to Gail. Awesome. Oh, and I'm also a certified lactation counselor. Awesome. Yep. And our expert for today. So we're excited to chat with you as well. And I can tell you guys a little bit more about my pump experience. So I have four kids of my own and I did a little bit of pumping with my first two kids. Not too much, to be honest, because I was fortunate enough to be able to work from home for most of the time and could kind of breastfeed on demand. But um, my last two kids are my twins and they're now about two and a half years old. And when they were first born, uh, they were just a tad bit preemie. They were born at 35 weeks. And so their latch was really kind of weak. And so for the first about two months, I exclusively pumped for them. And it was nice because I had a big old hospital grade pump and (laughs) those are really nice. Um, So I did that for about the first two months. And then once they could latch, we pretty much just tandem breastfed after that. And I'm currently still tandem breastfeeding them most of the time. So uh, that's a little bit about my experience. Sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, so before we get going with our episode here, we have a headline, a news headline that I wanted to share with you. I've been seeing a lot of really interesting headlines come out of the UK, and even though I know this isn't right here in the US, um, I still think that they're really interesting and worth sharing and, and just talking about to get the conversation going. So this headline comes from The Telegraph, which is a UK online periodical. I'm not sure if it's something that they give out, you know, if there's hard copy versions in the UK, but for us, it's online. And the headline is, mother order to stop sexual, and that's in quotes, sexual breastfeeding in hospital. So there is a young mom, um, 18 actually, a very young mom, Darcy Pennington, and she was visiting her grandmother at Royal Liverpool Hospital, and she needed to feed her baby Vincent. And she was approached by a female nurse, and she was told to go to a private room so that other hospital visitors didn't feel, quote unquote, uncomfortable. And she was really upset by that. And I believe when she went into this other room, uh, the nurse even drew more shades to like kind of shield her off a little bit more. And the mom asked the nurse, you know, what's going on here? I guess she really expected a hospital to be a little bit more supportive of breastfeeding. And the nurse basically said that she was protecting this mom's 
mom's dignity. Apparently, she was on a floor um, that had nothing to do with moms or babies. And so the nurse felt that, you know, people coming onto that floor wouldn't be expecting to see a woman breastfeeding and therefore may feel really uncomfortable. And so it actually had the <laughs> the opposite effect and it made the mom feel very uncomfortable. And she eventually ended up leaving and she posted some stuff to Facebook to say, hey, I really don't think this is right. This is what happened to me. And I will say on behalf of the hospital that they did come out and apologize and say that they were sorry that the mom was treated that way, basically. So just kind of wanted to throw this out to both of you ladies. You know, I know we don't have all the details here as far as the story is concerned, but I would expect, I know not, you know, here in the the U.S. where we talk a lot about baby-friendly hospitals and hospitals being more supportive of encouraging moms to breastfeed. And I'm not sure what the case is exactly in the U.K., but um, what do you think of this story and what was done? So, Gail, let's start with you. I have found that even baby-friendly hospitals, it varies from person to person as far as the staff, who is more baby-friendly or less baby-friendly or breastfeeding-friendly. It's such a shame for that mom because it's so hurtful to me from that point forward. Is she always going to wonder, am I going to be insulted, corrected, scooted somewhere else every time she feeds her baby? And it's such a shame that medical professionals can't say, that's wonderful, or at least not be negative. So hard for me to understand. I always make eye contact with moms that are breastfeeding and smile, and I kind of pat my chest to let them know that I'm acknowledging their work and their their love for their baby and that I had that too. Yeah, and, and it's tough too. And this could have been an isolated incident. I'm not saying, you know, the hospital always does this or anything like that. We certainly don't have that information available. Uh, Vicki, what do, what do you think about this? Just hearing this in general with the information we do have. I agree with Gail. I, I literally cannot understand. I just don't know where this nurse was coming from. I don't know how she can have that mindset at all. Being a healthcare professional and a professional in general, it just always flabbergasts me. <laughs> Well, I know it, it was an unfortunate situation. Hopefully, you know, some lessons were learned and um, hopefully that mom, you know, continues to do what she needs to do for her baby. I know it's, it's a tough situation all around, but at least I'm of the camp that if more people see it, you know, an appropriate way, of course, that it will help normalize it. So we'll go ahead. and Yeah, we'll post the link to our Facebook page. So if you guys want to check out the article, that's where you need to go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So today we're breaking down the anatomy of a breast pump, and Vicki Toomey is a certified lactation educator with Amita, a company who makes breast pumps and also helps educate moms about breastfeeding and pumping. And I love this part. Vicki is also a self-professed fan of podcasts in general. We love that, Vicki. Welcome to the Boob Group. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. 
All right. So in addition to today's episode, I wanted to promote the fact that Vicky is also going to be joining us for a Google Hangout on air. We're going to record that a little bit later. And uh, we're going to break down how to properly clean your pump. And I know a lot of you moms out there may have questions about this. So be sure to check that out. And we'll be sure to link to that video on the episode page uh, for this podcast. So I also want to say that our discussion today was inspired by one of our listeners, which is awesome. I love hearing from our listeners. And we really do take your input very seriously. And Leah, she was originally hoping to donate her breast pump to another mom. And she posted this to our Facebook page. Um, Actually, I think she sent us an internal message. And she said, I have a single-use electric pump that I want to donate or give away to a mom who could use it. I prefer to do this as opposed to throwing it in the landfill. If you're interested, you know, send me a message. So we could, you know, help out another mom. So uh, Leah later learned that you shouldn't share single-use pumps. We're going to talk about that in a second. And uh, that's really one of the main reasons we wanted to do this episode, because we know you moms want to help. And if you don't have a need, we, we know pumps can be expensive, and you may have that interest in helping out another mom. And um, there's just some things we need to know about how pumps work, so we know, you know, what we can and can't do with them. So that's the reason we want to do this episode and help educate other moms out there. Okay, so let's get into this. Vicki, not all breast pumps are created equal, right? So what are some of the main categories when we talk about breast pumps? Well, to me, there's really two main categories. There's a manual breast pump where you're kind of just using your hand to create the suction you need to get the milk out of the breast. And the second is an electric breast pump. Then within electric breast pumps, there's a couple of different kinds. Um, You can have a single breast pump, which is taking milk out of one breast at a time. You can have a double breast pump, which does both breasts at the same time and saves time. And then within that electric breast pump, there's also a difference between a multi-user pump and a single-user pump. And a multi-user pump is designated to be used by more than one mom. Oftentimes, it's called a hospital-grade pump. Um, versus the single-user pump, which is more of a personal pump, is designated to be used by one mom, uh, usually for one baby, maybe sometimes longer, depending on how long you breastfeed or use it. Okay, so it's mainly the hospital-grade pumps that you could share between moms. To your knowledge, are there any more personal kind of pumps that you could still share, or is that a no-no? It's a no-no. I mean... And the reason it's a no-no is, you know, we're going to talk in a little bit about open and closed systems. And so the reason it's a no-no is that it's only been tested and certified to be used with one mom. So even though a pump may be a closed system pump, it's not intended to be used by one more than one mom. Gotcha. Okay. So how do we as moms know what type of pump to get? Because there's a lot of options out there. So what would be some of the criteria? What questions should we really be asking ourselves as we start to explore these pumps and figure out what might work best for us? I think the biggest question is, is how often are you going to have to pump? A mom that's lucky enough or situation is that she can kind of feed on demand and just needs to pump every once in a while if the baby's not there or sleeping or whatever, you know, could get away with just a manual pump. If she's using it just a couple times a week, she doesn't need anything that's any bigger than that. Versus if a mom, like you had said earlier with the twins, if a mom's baby, you know, if it's a NICU baby and she's trying to actually establish her milk supply, that's the opposite end. That means that you need a hospital grade pump because you need to help, you know, really stimulate the milk and have it come in and establish things. And then in between is the single versus the double, which just kind of, I think, depends on what you're looking for. Some moms, they just want to do one breast at a time. But usually if you're going to get an electric pump, you might as well get a double one so that you can do both breasts at the same time. 
Yeah, that was one of, I think, probably the best pieces of advice one of my friends gave me. I was one of the last of my friends to have, you know, my first baby. And so I was asking all my friends, you know, hey, tell me what I need. Tell me what I need. And I remember one of my friends said, just do the double pump. It's going to cost a little bit more, but seriously, you will get it done in a fraction of the time and, you know, you'll be more productive overall. So that that was definitely <laughs> helpful advice, you know, to yeah, say Yeah, I agree. <laughs> all right. So Gail, I know you have experience pumping um, as well as working with pumps, you know, within WIC. Uh, Tell us a little bit on a personal level, what type of pumps have you used in the past and how did it fit your needs? The only thing that I had with my first child was a single hand pump and I had all this milk dripping off the bottom of my sweatshirt from the one side. I didn't have any nursing pads. It was a mess, but it got us through. I was home with my son. It was a gap sort of a you know, it, it helped relieve engorgement. And I was very appreciative of that. I always check with the moms that I work with from WIC because sometimes they don't get a manual pump from the hospital. And if they're engorged, it's really, they're so uncomfortable and they kind of can't get the pressure off. And then I used a, probably a single user pump that my cousin loaned me with my second child and didn't really get a whole lot of milk, even though I was working full-time. Um, I had to supplement a lot more with my second son, probably because I didn't have the right equipment to establish my supply and pump efficiently while I was at work. And then I had a wonderful double hospital grade with my third son, and he had exclusive breast milk for six months. And, you know, I pumped lots and lots of milk, and it didn't hurt, and it wasn't nearly so stressful. So... I've kind of done all of the extremes and made the mistakes with the pumps. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and my my experience, I have a little bit of experience with all of them too. So I had just, well, I, I mentioned before that I got the double pump. It was still single user, but double pump, personal pump. Um, so I had that and I got that part of my baby registry before my first son was born. So it's all set to go. Um, and But I have to say, I didn't really benefit from the hands-free. They kind of promoted this, hey, hook this to your bra and you, know, you can kind of go hands-free. And that part didn't really work for me. I, I'm one of those moms that I really like pumping to be as productive as possible. I think there's probably a lot of moms out there that feel that way. So if I'm not feeling like there's enough suction or I'm not pumping out enough during the 10, 15, 20 minutes that I'm pumping, I like to like maneuver the breast and try to get as much out of it as I can. I'm not one of those kind of set it and forget it pumpers. I'm like, no, we're going to make every moment count of this (laughs) pumping session. Um, So so I use that, but intermittently, um, really with my two boys. And then I decided that, listen, you know, this really isn't working for me. I can't remember actually what I did with that pump, but I quit using that pump. And then um, when my twins came, like I said, it was really nice because it was through insurance and I was able to get a double pump and they literally sent me home. They had the same pump in the hospital right next to the hospital bed. So they could show me and I could kind of use it a little bit. And it was, you know, like I said, right next to me. And then, you know, I think they just uh, swapped it out. And it was this is actually a really good example of being able to, you know, use different the pumps between moms because the, they wanted to keep that pump that I was using right there in the hospital. And I just took the parts, you know, the, the part that actually attached to me and that went into the pump. That's the part that I took home with me. And then I think I was sent or maybe they let me go home with a different pump. 
so that was kind of my situation. It was really nice. And I was able to take everything home with me and then just kind of continue what I was doing in the hospital, you know, continue doing that at home. And that was really nice. Um, but then when insurance kind of ran out, I had to give up my double pump. And that's when I went, oh, my gosh, I'm not prepared to get another pump. And I actually got a manual pump at that point because I was pretty much just tandem breastfeeding my twins. But I wanted to have a pump because I wanted to start building up a little bit of a supply in the freezer so I could spend more than three hours away from my twins, you know. So I would start to pump. It was like the late night sessions, like after they were asleep. So maybe like a 10 o'clock session and, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe midnight if I happen to be up that late or something like that. But it was like one extra session a day. And when I was doing that, it wasn't really important that I had, you know, an electric pump. So that was really, really helpful for me. All right, so when we come back, we're going to break down the anatomy of most breast pumps so you know exactly how they work. And we'll talk about what you can do if any of your parts need replaced. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're continuing our discussion about breast pumps and how they work. Vicki Toomey, a, a certified lactation educator with Amita, is our expert. So, Vicki, let's go ahead and let's break down the anatomy of these breast pumps. Let's go through the parts and then kind of explain how things work. And just a little note for everyone that's listening. I know it's kind of difficult because we're explaining to you these parts as opposed to you actually seeing them. But on the episode page for this website, we'll include a link that actually breaks everything down. So if you need, if you're like me and you're a visual person <laughs> and you kind of need to see these parts, uh, that will be uh, you know, hopefully a good resource for you. But, but Vicki, let's go through and kind of explain each part. Sure. So the main two parts are the pump itself, which has the electronics in it. It has a little piston in there, and it's the actual pump that you put your speed and your suction and things like that. So that's the part that kind of sits down. And then the whole other side is the part that connects to you. You know, that includes the tubing that comes from the base Mm -hmm. and then the plastic parts that connect to you um, and have the flange systems. And so this is a little hard to imagine, but what you're basically doing is the little tubes are creating a suction and they're pulling milk from your breasts into the bottles. And it uses a negative pressure versus when a baby's drinking or when a baby's eating, it's using compression on the sides versus the pumps that we use today are using negative pressure and pulling milk from your breasts. What is uh, negative pressure? When you say that, what do do you mean by that? Well, that's what when you were saying earlier that you thought that um, you really wanted the pumps to work well. So that's like the suction. So it's like when you're pumping and, you know, your breasts are kind of come off a little bit and then it doesn't seem to be working for a few seconds. It's that negative pressure. So you want to make sure there's a really good seal around it. And it's pulling because when it's suctioning out, it's using negative pressure to pull through the tubing and then it's pulling milk out of your breast versus a baby eating is using negative pressure. So he's sucking, but he's also using compressions with the side of his mouth and with his tongue. Okay. So you need to make sure that there's that really good seal 
which is why some moms, when they're trying to use the hands-free, like you said, they don't get the results they're looking for because as they're moving and typing and doing things, the seal keeps breaking a tiny bit because our breasts are not shaped like flanges. (laughs) You know, I mean, they're not hard plastic things. Right, right. So that's basically how the pump is working, is it's taking the air, going through the tube, and that's pulling through the flange and pulling milk down into the bottle. Okay. And the flange part is what's actually on the breast. That's the plastic pieces that are are covering the breast, right? Yes. And those are by far the most important piece of pumping. You know, when you're looking at it, we have some great videos on Amita.com where you're looking down and as you're seeing your nipple, it should be pulling in and out. So the flange is the, you know, it has the plastic part that's going over like your areola and your breast. And then your nipple should be pulling in and out of that tunnel. But it needs to be free moving, so it doesn't want to touch the sides. But if it's too big or too small, you end up getting less milk than you want. So that's a really important part. And it's not intuitive sometimes. Like you'd be like, oh, this is too big. But it's not. It's too small. Because what you're looking to see is that the nipple's going um, smoothly in and out, but that you're not pulling too much of the rest of the breast down into that tube either. Because then you're actually in danger of hurting some of your tissue too. So that is really important, getting the right size of the flange. And it's so interesting because when I was doing all this pumping, I didn't even realize that there were different flange sizes. So can you you share? Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about the different sizes and what is, I mean, is there a size that comes standard with most pumps? Most pump sizes are 25 millimeter. Okay. But a third of moms actually need a bigger size. And it's interesting because it's not the size of your breast. It's not the size of your areola. It's the size of your nipple itself. And so when you're looking and you're trying to figure out, like, you know, some women that are small breasted need a larger flange because it's the size of the nipple. Um, and I think that's where people get confused because they're like, well, I'm a D, so I must need a bigger flange. But that has nothing to do with it. Mm, interesting. So the actual nipple, not the areola, not Correct. the rest of the breast tissue, yeah. just the nipple. Okay. Right. All right. So that might be something that moms need to consider if they know they have larger nipples, they may need to even proactively get a bigger flange size when they order their pump. Yes. And, you know, I think most companies, but I know Amita for sure, if you call, we have IBCLCs that can kind of talk you through looking and saying, okay, what's your nipple doing? What's this doing? You know, can you see this? And they can really help you do a flange fit pretty easily. A flange fit. I like that. Yes. Alliteration right there. Flange Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've talked kind of about the anatomy of an electric pump. Is it different at all for single pumps versus double pumps? Obviously, you've got more than one pump attached to you. But besides that, is the process any different? No. No. Nope. Same. Same thing. Okay. And then what about with a hand pump? Like, obviously, we don't have the motor attached. It doesn't need to be plugged in. Is there any other real differences between having a, a manual pump? Not really. I mean, it's the same. You don't have any tubing. You don't have the base or anything. And basically, in in lieu of the air being pulled through the tubing, which is coming out of the base, it's your hand going in and out that's causing that pressure. So it's the same bottle setup. It's just a different motor mechanism, I guess. You know, like your hand is the motor, motor, basically. (laughs) And it's a nice workout for your hand. Anyone want to work out their hand? There you go. I was wondering when you said that you pumped for your twins, I was like, gosh, did your hand get tired? (laughs) Well, like I said, it was just at night in that one session. But actually, we we should uh, ask Gail on that because she's 
used a manual pump. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Gail, do you have anything uh, to add as far as manual pumps are concerned? As I was not exhausted enough being a new mommy, yes, I built up quite the arm muscles, (laughs) fortunately, on both sides. Yeah, that was probably smart. You know, change change sides there so you can give, you know, each side equal uh, workout, right? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so Vicki, let's talk a little bit more about other features that might be on the pump. Um, And I know this varies, and obviously there's a lot of different pumps out there, so my understanding would be that that's because they have different features. So can you kind of give us, you know, an overview? I know we can't go through every pump that's out there and whatever, but what are some of the extra amenities, let's just call them, that moms might see on a pump? Well, most of it, you know, some pumps have um, a recording where you can record your baby Okay. so that while you're pumping, you can hear your baby smiling or cooing or even crying because sometimes that helps with a letdown. And so, you know, a meter pump has a separate speed and suction um, where you control um, either the, you know, the fast in the beginning when a baby's feeding, it goes very, very fast. And then when you get a letdown, the baby does long, slow draws. Okay. Okay. Other pumps, though, actually have a button. So when you turn it on, it starts off at that high speed. And then there's like a button that says, okay, let's go ahead and do our letdown. So different pumps have different ways of accomplishing the same thing, I guess, which is either, you know, you doing it manually for yourself and getting exactly the way you want versus some pumps have kind of a button that does it for you. It's so interesting that you mentioned that. So, okay, I I have a little confession to make, and that is I always just wanted to skip the letdown portion. You know how it's like very it, – is it yes. – it's like slow, slower in the beginning? I'm having a hard time remembering now. So it's it's faster in the – so in the beginning, and you think about your baby. Yeah. When your baby's feeding in the beginning, he does – he or she does really quick, but very shallow draws. And it's kind of like pumping and get in priming, I guess, the breast for lack of a better term. And then when the milk comes in, you'll see and you'll, you can watch their swallowing. It's really long, slow draws because they're kind of pulling that milk out and drinking at the same time. And so usually you want your pump to be like the baby, you know, because it's kind of simulating the same thing. So when you start, you want to do really low suction, but high speed. And that's the baby going... Uh, okay. okay. And then when you see milk coming into your bottle, then you're like, okay, now I need to switch like the, my baby's drinking milk. So then you go to a lower speed and a higher suction though. Okay. So now it's like baby sucking milk out of your breast. And like you said, a lot of moms just want to leave it on really fast because they're like, I want to get the milk out really fast. <laughs> but that's not simulating how a baby drinks. So then it tends to, it can, some moms are fine with it, but it can have the opposite effect and get less milk. Now, does it matter about the frequency that you're pumping? Because I know with my twins, especially in the beginning when I was doing the exclusive pumping, that I literally pumped every three hours. It didn't matter the time of day. It, it really didn't matter. I was through the night and everything. So even if you're pumping a lot like that, do you still need to go through the whole process of, you know, the, the letdown portion and then, you know, the slow, you know, longer portions at the end? I don't know the answer to that. I think that it would be best to do that because you're trying to empty your breast as much as possible because empty breasts make milk faster. faster. So, and that's the best way to empty your breast. So I would think you'd need to, but I do know some moms that 
like I said, are just perfectly fine just leaving it on high speed, high suction, and they just get tons of milk. So I, I think everybody's a little different, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm now wondering, you know, because hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm now wondering if I didn't like when I was using my double by my personal pump with my boys, I got so frustrated with pumping because I just didn't feel like I was getting enough out and I wasn't doing it frequently enough to mm-hmm. really build up the supply and for, for it to always be there. And so now I'm wondering if my body really needed that beginning letdown portion that I, I seriously just skipped through. Honestly, I was like, this is boring me. I'm not even getting yep. any milk out. It's wasting my time. I, that's literally what I thought of it. Well, yeah, we, that is the biggest call we get all the time is mom's yeah. like, this doesn't work. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then you walk them through all the steps and they're like, oh. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Now, the automatic shutoff, is there an automatic shutoff with all pumps or is that an extra optional feature? That's extra optional. So some pumps you can act, especially the hospital grade pumps, some of them you can kind of program and say, start here, go here, do this, and then turn off after 20 minutes kind of thing. Right. It's like choreographing your pump. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was so funny. We got um, a comment from one of our listeners a while back and she, it was a part of a segment that we do called Boob Oops, where we share funny breastfeeding and pumping stories. And she (laughs) said she was at work and she fell asleep pumping. I guess she got there early. She was just so dog tired. She fell asleep pumping and she was there like with her pump attached for three hours. Like it was from like 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., which you know by 10 a.m. people were coming in and she was like, you know, and and one of the comments made in the episode was, well, I hope it had an automatic shut off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh that would be kind of crazy. A lot of stimulation. Hopefully her milk supply went through the roof after that, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about replacing parts? You know, if you're using your pump a lot, odds are you're going to have to replace parts at some point at least. So give us an idea of what are some of the most common parts that typically need to be replaced? So on an Amita pump, and actually most pumps, there's only two parts that should ever have to be replaced. Okay. One is called the valve, and this looks different on different pumps. So on an Amita pump, it kind of looks like a little duck build. It's like, I, yeah, I describe it like a little duck bill. Yeah. So it goes on the inside of the flange on the bottom, so it's p- facing down into the bottle. Okay. And when you take it on and off, this is super delicate, and this is... It's really, really thin silicone that needs to come together and be very tight at the bottom. So when you're taking it on and off to wash it, you want to hold it on the kind of on the end of the bill. So you want to take it on the fat side and pull it straight down. Because if you take it on the thin side, you could rip bit, that yeah. really, really delicate spot. And so when you're looking at this, you want to make sure that there's no tears, no nicks, no nothing. So this needs to be, this is a very delicate piece. So when you're washing this, you don't want to put stuff through it. You don't want to, you know, put a bottle brush or anything. This just needs hot soapy water and then rinsed with cool water. Mm -hmm. This is the most common thing that needs to be replaced. Probably every two to three months, depending on how often you're using it and how well you're cleaning it and how it's being treated. So this is the most common thing. And really, most of the time, the only thing that needs to be replaced. As opposed to the diaphragm, so Amita has a diaphragm that fits in the top of the breast flange. So there's a like a, a big top hat, maybe, when you put it upside down. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so it fits down in there. And that item, it's an actually a barrier that stops uh, milk, mold, viruses, everything getting through. So this, you just want to make sure that it's 
not torn, not hurt, not anything, but this generally is really, really sturdy. But this would be the second most common thing that you would have to replace. Okay. Everything else is pretty good. You know, our tubing doesn't get any milk in it, so it should never, ever have any water, vapor, anything. If it does, you want to replace it. Though I can tell you a lot of times we do get calls where people are like, my cat or my dog ate my tubing. Oh, or chewed it up. Oh, yeah. No. So oftentimes the only reason the tubing has to be replaced is because something goes you know terribly wrong with it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I remember with my personal pump seeing some condensation on the inside of the tubing. So if that's happening, any idea what could cause it? Because it wasn't – I don't think it was milk. I don't know. Maybe it was milk. Not well, we haven't talked really about an open and a closed system. Yeah. So a closed system is where the milk can't back up into the tubing. So if milk or water, anything backs up into the tubing, it then can back up into the base of the machine. And when that's happening, that can cause moisture can lead to mold and, and things like that. So you want to keep your tubing very dry just because you don't want it to back up into the system. And even though in a closed system, you know, anything that's in the tubing should never be able to get into your milk, you still want to be careful. But if you're using an open system, then milk can back up into that tubing. But if it was a closed system and there was moisture in there, then I would call and just get new tubing. Yeah, I would call the the company and just say, hey, there's moisture in my tubing and there shouldn't be. Because there shouldn't really be a way that that can happen in a closed system. In a closed system. But if it's an open right. system, then milk – did you say milk would be flowing through in an open system? Yeah, milk can back up into it. Okay. I mean, it's not – designed to happen or anything, but there's just no barrier stopping it. And so it can happen. And so when you see milk in your tubing or moisture in your tubing, you do have to be careful to clean it with, you know, hot soapy water, but it's a little tube. So then how do you dry it? Yeah. I mean, there's those kind of issues with the tubing. Yeah. And so that's just the difference between the open and closed. Okay. Now, would you say most pumps, because I don't even know if I've ever seen an open system, are, are most closed systems? And, and how would moms know what they have? Just kind of going on the company's website and seeing what it says? So we love Kelly Mom, and she talks about open and closed systems. And she goes through and will say, you know, here's all the open systems, here's all the closed systems. And I don't really want to say, you yeah. know, go through every single brand and say right. who's open, who's sure. closed. No, of course. And so there is some open systems where it can back up into the tubing and therefore can back up into the into the machine. And so when you're looking, and but they do say it because when you're looking at their IFU or their directions, it'll say, you know, once every month or once every two months, try to open the front of the pump and clean inside it okay. in case anything got in there. Okay. Um, whereas with ours, you just never have to worry about that because it never backs up. So Got it. And I'll be sure. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll find out what that Kelly Mom um, link is. And that way we can kind of include that yeah. for listeners. All right. So, Gail, I know uh, we, Vicki and I have been talking our heads off here. <laughs> have you ever had to replace any part of your pumps that you've had in the past? Or did you not get to that point yet? I did not have to replace any pump parts. Okay. I have had moms call me to tell me that well-meaning daddies have <laughs> boiled their tubes and they're now shriveled and can't be used. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So that was a big thing that we had to educate was there's, you know, they don't need to be sterilized in boiling water because it's all plastic, hot soapy water, and rinsing. Right. Yeah. And then are you, I know, you know, through WIC, moms can get pumps. Or do, do parents ever come to you, moms ever come to you and say they need any kind of replacements? Or is WIC not usually involved with that? 
Rick is involved with that to some extent. We have interesting circumstances with our pumps. We just switched to all made-up pumps, so we're, we're still learning how to teach moms how to use those pumps. And when they have a problem with the pumps, they generally just bring the whole thing back in, and then we hand them a new one with all new parts. <laughs> That's an easy way to do it, right? Just get a replacement for the whole thing. <laughs> because then we have time to troubleshoot, we can figure out what's right. going on, and they can get right. back to pumping. It's so critical with some of our moms. If they get the least bit frustrated, they stop pumping. So, Vicki, for moms who, you know, can't have their whole thing replaced, what, what typically is the process? Is it as easy as calling a number and getting some replacement parts? And, and how does that process work? So it depends on the pump. We are in certain stores, but it's a little bit harder to find our products and some of our competitors are a little bit easier. But for sure, Amazon, of course, has everything you need. And oftentimes, uh, you know, calling the company's 800 number or toll-free number is a really good way to get what you need. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think I just called like the 1-800 number from the company and because I didn't really know what my problem was. It was yeah. more like a diagnosing, like, hey, this is kind of the problem I'm having with the pump. Does that mean this needs to be replaced? Like, do most companies have some support there where the people that you could buy the parts from actually can help you troubleshoot that a little bit? Yeah, that is actually one of the, to, in my opinion, the one least known fact is that I think every pump company, you can just call them and there is amazing, amazing women that are there to help you figure this out. Right. And that's their job because, you know, what we want is for you to be able to feed your baby. You know what I mean? So of course we want to help and of course we want to figure that out. So calling and talking to our parent care team is an awesome way. You get tons of help. You get tons of support. There's IBCLCs. Like, yeah. And I don't think everybody knows that. They're just like, well, I can't figure it out. And they just don't think that they can get the support they need because it just seems like it's just calling to say I need a new one versus, hey, something just doesn't seem to be right. Can you help me? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Good to know. Good. Yeah. All right, ladies. Well, that wraps up our conversation. Thanks so much, both for Vicki and Gail, for being part of our show today and for everyone for listening. We really do appreciate your support. If you're a member of the Boob Group Club, then please be sure to check out our bonus content for this episode. If you're going to be pumping a lot, we'll talk about what parts you may need the most. So for more information on that and about our club, you can visit our website at newmommymedia.com. All right, so we have a question from one of our listeners for an expert, and this comes from Sarah, and Sarah posted this on our Facebook page. She says, hi, I love this page and I need some help. My son is seven months old and has thrush. In turn, I got it, and my nipple is cracked so badly on the underside. When he latches, it burns and hurts. I am in no way stopping breastfeeding, so my question is, what can I do to ease or heal this nipple pain? I've used coconut oil, lanolin, and thieves oil. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much in advance. Hi, this is Michelle Stolberger. I'm an IBCLC in the Washington, D.C. area. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for your question. I'm sorry to hear that you've been dealing with thrush. It can definitely be persistent because you and baby will pass it back and forth. Make sure that you've washed your bras really well and that you're not leaving any bra pads against your skin for too long while they're wet. You want to keep your area nice and dry so that you don't continue to gather bacteria. I think it's time to call in the big guns and break out the all-purpose nipple ointment. 
This is a prescription cream that includes an antifungal and it will help heal the cracks and prevent reoccurrence of the thrush. You can find the ingredients on Dr. Jack Newman's website and contact your OB about getting a prescription. Make sure that you and your baby are both getting treated to prevent further transmission of the thrush. And as always, contact an IBCLC if you have further questions. I hope this helps. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, newbies for newly postpartum moms, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, and twin talks for parents of multiples. This is The Boob Group, where moms know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.